0: Tonight is July 9th, 2014, and the title of my sermon is Anchors Away. Anchors Away. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get good like Eric about titling. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that's one of the things I'm a little bit stressed out about sometimes just coming up with a name for what I'm going to do. Get all freaked out. Um, let's go ahead and start reading in Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27 and verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. Everybody say Julius. Good old orange Julius. Who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship for Adramyttium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. Um, just giving you some background of the story, right? So we know that Paul had gone before Agrippa. The Jews had gotten so mad at Paul that they were accusing him, and they wanted, they wanted the end of Paul. Right, so he goes before, and the rulers realize, he's like, hey, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. Oh. Right, all the way back in Acts 16, we remember when they were thrown in jail because they cast the demon out of, uh, out of this fortune teller that was following them around, cast them out, they beat him, threw Paul and Silas in jail, they were worshipping at night and the earthquake, all that good stuff. This is still, this is continuation after continuation after continuation of them trying to end Paul's life, right? So he finally man, he said, I appeal to Caesar. Well, we were going to let you go. No, you weren't. <laughs> But since you've appealed to Caesar, we're going to send you on to Caesar. So this is his process to get to Caesar to make his appeal, right? Verse three, the next day we landed at Sidon and Julius in kindness to Paul allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Just a little side note. We're going to kind of read through this. I'm going to comment a little bit. We'll kind of come back. Hopefully this will make sense to you. Hopefully you'll get something out of it. Um, Paul, anywhere he went, technically he's a prisoner. Because it says Paul and other prisoners, right? So he is being sent. He is in the charge of other people. This guy, Julius, they get to Sidon and he's like, yeah, you can go hang out with your friends. He gives them a bit of a weekend pass so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Sicily in Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off of Sinaitis. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. Now, lots of information, right? You're like, wow, this is really moving. (coughs) <coughs> we, we're watching this guy take a three-hour tour, right? We're just watching him go on this ship. Um, verse 9. I, I want us to get into some things here and, and uh, kind of see. Actually, let's back up to verse 7. We made slow headway. So here's what I do when I'm reading the Scripture. Uh, I have kind of different things that I do. Sometimes I just read through Scripture because it's there. I just want to be diligent. Sometimes I have a specific topic that I want to look up, so I find a topic and I find every verse and every time it's referenced, even indirectly in the Bible, and I'll read all of them together and see if I can get a better picture. Um, In this case, I just was reading through this story and I went, God, what is it that you're trying to tell me today? One, it's a historical account so I can go and find factual information. But I know that God is so intricate and so amazing in what he does that I'll bet you, you probably have something for me out of this story, right? So that's what we're going to look at. Verse 7, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving. How many of you ever felt like you've had slow, slow headway for many days? Right? I have felt like, man, I'm, I'm going, Lord, I'm going forward. I'm going in the right direction. Praise God. But it's just slow going. It's just tough going. Sometimes I felt like in, in, we've, you know, in, in, in the most amazing service, you come in, boy, that was great. But the truth is that sometimes it's just everywhere else in your life, except for here during a worship service, it could feel like you're just making really, really slow headway. God, I thought I'd be farther along than I am now. <laughs> it happens in worship too, right? I thought I'd be farther along than now. I, I, I thought my life would look differently. I, I thought that once I became a believer, certain things would happen and maybe there's been a word of prophecy or a word that God has spoken to your heart, and you feel like this this wonderful thing is going to happen. Why does it always feel like it takes so long to get there? Right? We made slow headway. Verse 9. Much time had been lost. I don't know about you, but I felt and I've had a fear before that much time has been lost in my life. Golly, what do you have me doing here, Jesus? Don't you want me to go and do something for you? Mm. We'll see. We'll answer that question later. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the fast. So we're after Yom Kippur. Okay? So Paul warned the Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So Paul, in this prisoner-like state, is never shy to kind of voice his opinion. Everyone, I want to tell you that this is a disastrous trip we're going to make. This is a terrible, terrible idea. Right? Have you ever felt like the only voice of reason sometimes? (laughs) What are we doing? Why is our family this way? You people are crazy. Why are we doing this on the job? Who chose this? You're like, and, and, and it goes on. Verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, uh, instead of listening to what Paul said, follow the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Hey, I've had plenty of times when I thought I gave great advice and people took the advice of others. And it proves out that Paul was right and he's going to let them know about it in just a little while. So I kind of like the scripture, man, because it's real gives you a real picture of life. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, right? winter gets bad, they needed to stop and stay somewhere until it got warm again. A couple of months, they needed to just port somewhere, but where they were was not favorable for that. So the majority decided that we should sail on. There are some people who even want to run their churches according to majority rule. Sounds very democratic. We're Americans. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yay. There's an interesting thing that happens when the majority rules, though. Because really, as human beings, we can be very fear-based. And so sometimes we'll make decisions based on that. And that's what these guys did. The majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix. Hey, Phoenix. Not that Phoenix. And winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So it's just explain the topography for you. Verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought that they had obtained what they wanted. What great phrases the Bible has. They thought they obtained what they wanted. They saw a sign and read it to be something that was very good for them. I know I've made decisions in my life because I read a certain sign. Ah. Oh. I have favor there. I'm going to go do that. And what happens to them here? That gentle south wind that began to blow. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Verse 14. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. It's amazing. Again, I'm, just, I'm thinking about just times in my life where I went and I thought I was going to get a gentle breeze. And now I'm going headway into a hurricane. I am now headway into a whole lot more than I thought. And it's a whole lot tougher than I thought. And I just don't really have enough to get through this. So let's see how they do it. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. This is a problem. So we gave way to it and we're driven along. I know none of us in here would be this way, but sometimes we're just driven along by the situations that come. Have you ever, let me, let me put it in a, a more modern phrase, um, have you ever felt like your calendar was running you instead of you running your calendar, right? Have you ever felt just weary from just the doing of things? Pretty soon, you're the one that's just getting driven along by what's going on. You're like, wait, this is my life, but I've got to check my phone to see where I need to be. Uh, the reason I can say that is because that's me, guys. That's my personality. Like is, well, I have 47 meetings today. Got a lot accomplished. Uh, it was funny, when I, used, when I first became a principal and assistant principal, um, Olivia would ask me, she's like, well, what did you do today, Dad? Well, hon, had a lot of meetings, and I fussed at a lot of high school kids. And then I came home. <laughs> like, when I tried to summarize my day, I was like, Wow. I worked really hard. I stayed really busy. I stayed really active. There was a lot of wind swirling around, but I'm not sure that I made much headway today. The ship was caught by the, uh, by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Let me encourage you guys. This is not the kind of life that God intends for us to have, for you to just be driven along by the winds of this world, for you to be driven along by the pace, by the culture, by the surroundings, by the lack of holiness. We're not supposed to be driven by all these factors. Verse 16, As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauta, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. (laughs) When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. So, had a lifeboat behind it. They end up pulling this lifeboat on the boat and somehow they wrap, those of you who are actual, real, Nautical people would understand how they do this. In my mind's eye, they somehow pass ropes underneath the boat and tie it down because they're falling apart. They're about to fall apart. How many times, what, what what are your ropes in your life? What are the things that you run to to kind of, look, I feel like I'm falling apart. Is it, none of these things are bad, but I'm just showing you these are just ropes that you put on your life. Is it, uh, I know I have friends and it's the golf course. If only I can get to the golf course. Really? I I mean, that's never me because I'm a putt-putter myself. Thank you very much. Got a plus two handicap. You know, I'm glad if you play golf, praise God. That's wonderful. I don't care about golf. I mean, that's wonderful. But what I'm saying is people are trying to find something so that they can just make it through. We're getting driven somewhere and we just, I just need a break. For some of us, it's been TV. You're sitting in front of the TV at the end of the day, right? You just... <sighs> Unfortunately, nowadays, it's usually our phones. It could be Facebook. I'm not against any of these things. We have a TV in our house. We have a couple of TVs in our house. I have a giant TV in our house. <laughs> We don't. But, like... Okay, we do. Um, but... Great for watching sports, by the way. Uh, but we, when, we tar- when we start turning to these things, all we're doing is just like this story. We're, we're, we're binding these ropes around us, thinking that it's really going to ultimately hold us together. When the men had hoisted it aboard, uh, they passed the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Ceridus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. They hoisted the lifeboat on. They ran the ropes around. And then, what does it say? Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars, they lowered the sea anchor. <laughs> so they threw this big, heavy weight that's designed to stop them. They threw it behind them and just let them, as they were getting pushed along, they've got this weight and this anchor that's also there. Okay? All I saw when I was reading this story was the people that I know, and sometimes me. I've got these things that I've held on to. Sometimes there are things that worked for me in the past, and I'm just kind of throwing them out there. I'm still getting pushed along, but I'm trying to hold on to something. I'm trying to find something to dig into. I'm trying to find something that will help stabilize what's going on. Um, So it's um, maybe in my life, because I'm a super nerd, it would be education, I just throw that anchor out there. I'm still it's not really stopping me. It's not really performing its function as an anchor. It's just hopefully slowing my demise down. It's my job, it's my ability to make money, it's whatever it is. We hold on to these things and it kind of just we're hoping that it'll slow us down. Right? All we're just doing anything we can right now to just slow the impending doom. As believers, we have a lot more that we have in store. I'm not saying that these are the correct ways to do it. I'm saying that this is what I'm looking at in the story. And if you are in a place where you are solid with Christ, then these are the people that you're going to be dealing with. At some point, this type of a body of believers needs to, not only do we need to learn for ourselves, but we need to learn with an understanding of how we translate this to other people. Right? When I hear a sermon now, I'm taking notes like crazy. Because I want to figure out how how does this relate? How can I help somebody the next time that I see them going, ah! Hey, you, you reminded me of a story in the Bible. Do you mind if I share it with you? There's hope for you in this situation. You feel like you're being blown around by the winds of life. Can I just encourage you? There's something that you can do about it, right? Fearing that they would run aground. Man, that word fear is an incredible word. Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you are doing something right now in your life and is not requiring faith of you, it's not possible to please God unless we're operating in faith. doesn't mean that we're foolish. It just means we heard His word and we act in obedience. Verse 18, We took such a violent battering from the storm... Of the next day, um, they began to throw cargo overboard. Everybody knows the word jettison? Jettison. <laughs> it's to take something, especially off of a boat. This is what they were doing. This is the word what jettison means. They took stuff and they started throwing it off the boat. Why? Because uh, <laughs> what else are we going to do? We're getting pummeled here. Maybe what the answer is, is we'll just get stuff out of here. Well, jettison. And look what they first started jettisoning. They started jettisoning cargo. Verse 19, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. You know what tackle is? Tackle is the rigging that helps you to put to onload and offload your cargo. Well, they got rid of the cargo. So at the end of this trip, they ain't got nothing to get off of it. So they were like, hey, let's get rid of the extra stuff. Let's get rid of the extra stuff. Maybe our life is too cluttered. Maybe if we just get rid of some stuff. Now, these are some mechanisms in our life that was used to bring in and out things. Look, we, we don't even have time for that now. We're, we're, we're going to die. We're heading, maybe, <laughs> I was talking with somebody today, and we were talking about a friend of theirs, and the, the marriage that, that this friend was in is like this ship here. It's heading towards very, very rough demise. So how do you you know? How do you know what to jettison? On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Maybe you were like that before God got a hold of you. (laughs) I've talked to people, look, wait, there's no hope for me. You don't know what I've done. And I think of these guys right here. Look, they had tried everything that they understood how to do. These were experienced fishermen. They were sailors They got out there, and they were in trouble, and they knew it. This idea of jettisoning really got me thinking um, about some of the things that we should jettison in our lives. And these guys were doing it out of fear, but the truth is is that's a pretty good way. That's a survival technique on the the ocean. We're going to jettison some things. Um, turn, Turn to Proverbs chapter 29. You can keep your place there in Acts. We'll come back to it. Proverbs chapter 29. Maybe there's some of the things that we're holding on to are keeping us. There. There. They're keeping us from being fully satisfied in what Christ has for us. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord. Is kept safe. One of the things that we need to jettison out of our lives in our storms is to make sure that we're jettisoning the fear of man. We need to get rid of this fear of man that, we, that can be within us. The fear of man is a snare. It'll prove to be a snare. I like the way that's said. In other words, uh uh-uh. uh. No, it'll prove to be a snare. You may not think so, but it will absolutely prove. To be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So I thought of this story in Acts because these guys are unsafe. We need to jettison the fear of man. Turn to Luke chapter 1 as well. Luke chapter 1. We're going to focus on verse 74, but I'm going to start in 67. To give you the context of it. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Talking about the passage before was talking about the birth of John the Baptist. Verse 68: Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he he has come and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he said through his holy prophets of as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies. And from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. I think fear can be such a, a deadly thing in our lives as Christians because it's just so subtle and it can be so natural we can really well justify our lives sometimes of what we don't do because of fear i'm afraid i'm afraid of what other people will say i don't know if you guys but i mean we're new around here so some of these things are a little bit more fresh in our thinking like i don't want to be the guy that doesn't do it right i, I was asking pastor matt earlier about like how do we how do we do the communion i understand communion like, how do we do it here? I don't want to be the guy that doesn't quite do it right. I don't want to be that guy. Even in simple things like that, and, that's, and there's no fear here. Even if I didn't do it right. Ah, y'all are so forgiving, it'd be, it'd be great anyway. But I have to tell you that I thought about it. I was like, Matt, okay, tell me, Matt. <laughs> Give me the lowdown. Tell me what's going on. Who's going to do what? Like, help me to orient myself to know what's going on the truth is, is if you take that too far, it can become a fear that we allow to grip us. We allow, it, well, I don't want to speak out. I don't want to go up to somebody and say, hey man, look, you and I need to talk because I'm afraid of what Judah may think of me. We've got to jettison the fear of man. Another thing that we have to jettison is the fear of failure. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And verse 6. There, there, there. Y'all are a lot faster than me because I can't talk and do this at the same time. 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, let's start in verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word... They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Verse 3, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful such a such a neat passage we're not being anti earrings here right? that's not what we're saying we're saying there's a beauty that comes from within they were submissive to their own husbands like sarah who obeyed abraham and called him her master this is not going to be women bashing and pro guys just give me a second it is scripture i know guys who take that passage in an older translation, it was called, and Sarah called him Lord. And so they're like, yeah, honey. That's that's not what we're doing. You guys know that. Like Sarah who obeyed, her, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Huh. We always talk about Father Abraham, right? He's the father of the faith. Sarah is considered in this passage... I, To be honest, I just haven't thought about it that much. You are her daughters. It's talking about Sarah. It said what she did, and then it gives her this place of honor. If you are a son or daughter of something, what does it mean? It means that you represent the characteristics of those. If you're a son of the house, if you're a daughter of the house, if you're a son of this house, it means that your characteristics look like the leadership of this house whether you're an actual son or not. So this is really a neat thing here. It says, You are her daughters if you do what is right. Well, be holy. Be obedient to God. And do not give way to fear. What an interesting thing. Don't give way to fear. Jettison the fear of failure or the fear of man. Verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Fellas, if you focus more on the weaker vessel part and not on the co-heir part, you can miss some stuff. This is honest. We're going to look at both of them. This is both and. This is not either or. When I look at this, if I remember when I remember and consider my wife as a co-heir with the gift of life with me, it impacts how I look at my wife. Yes, I want, to be, I want to be a chivalrous man. I want to be a godly man. I want to be able to take the weight off of my wife because she's the weaker vessel. Not because she's less valuable, because there's a difference in what we're supposed to be able to do and be supposed to be able to carry. So by honoring that difference, I honor God who made us different. And she's the co-heir with me. That is an awesome thing so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Fellas, if you don't do this right, your prayers will be hindered. If you don't consider those two things, right? Isn't that what it says? Weaker partner and heirs with you of the precious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That's a serious word. That is a serious word for us fellas. Verse 8, finally all of you. So lest you think, well, I'm not married yet, so none of this has to do with me. Verse 8 says, okay, now everybody else. I got the wives, got the husbands. Now everybody. Everybody. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Some of us are better at that than others. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. I don't know about you, but I love passages like this. This is not... um, super deep theology. I think it's very important, but it's just telling you, be compassionate. Okay, I can do that. Be kind. Oh, okay. Be humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Um, just to give you guys a little secret for those of you who are, are females in the in the house, um, typical male humor, especially when you're about 12 to oh, 72... But especially twelve to eighteen. It just is. One of the ways that we learn how to be humorous is we insult each other as guys. I kid around with my wife all the time, I'm like, yeah, that, you know, we'll we'll something'll go on. I was like, yeah, that's about 13 year old humor right there. You know, still still with the funny noises and the, you know, I'm gonna insult you and put you down. Bible says don't return insult for insult, and obviously those are that's just being silly, but don't you want to return ins I want to return insult when somebody insults me. That's, that's my human nature. That's not my redeemed nature, but that is still in there. But with blessing. Not only do I not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but I return their evilness with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. God's watching you as we're doing these things. 4, verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. You're looking for it. And when you do see it, you go after it. You seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are attentive to their prayer. How many of you want God's eyes on you and His ears listening? I want him leaning in to me because I need all the help I can get. And he's big and he's good and he's awesome. So he, lists, he watches and listens for those who are righteous. This is simple. <laughs> it's hard to do sometimes, but it's simple to understand. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. My favorite thing is when somebody is not living the way they're supposed to and come and ask me why God isn't doing certain things in their life. Um, if I can put this in very common vernacular, um, you're being a punk. (laughs) You're being an ungodly person and wondering why God isn't showering His blessings on you. Be righteous. Let the fear of God come upon you. Stop doing what you are doing. Seek after peace and pursue it. Because then His eyes will be towards you. Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? A very practical statement, right? Um, We've been here for a month now in Houston. Had the greatest experience in some of the restaurants and some of the places that we've been. You know why? Because we're just nice to people. Hi. Hey, thank you so much for helping me. (laughs) Thank you. The waitresses are a little bit nicer, a little more attentive. We haven't had any problems since we've been here. You know what? Because we just try to be nice to people. I mean, like, let's be real about this, right? I love the practicality of the word. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? If you're trying to help somebody, most people aren't going to punch you in the face. (laughs) Most of them. Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, even if you are nice and they curse, even if you do reach out a hand to help and you do get slapped, even if you do that, We've got an answer for that as well. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Um, I just got punched in the face. You're blessed. (laughs) Praise God. Put an ice pack on it. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this next phrase. Do not fear what they fear. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Um, Our world operates in a currency of fear. So what we watch on TV. Um, when I was a principal, and I wasn't the one that came up with this, but we had the term hover parents. Right? So back when I grew up, when my wife grew up, uh, it was the parents lock the door. You don't get to come inside until it's dark outside. Now we live in a generation because we see it all over, and it's on Facebook, and this child got taken. It's, these are very serious and important things, and, and we see it, and... I define the hover parent as the one who won't let the kid go beyond the sidewalk, won't go down the end of the driveway because there are a lot of bad things that can happen. I'm not saying be unwise about how you handle your kids. I'm saying don't be. What I'm trying to say is let's jettison some of the fear out of our lives so that God can make himself more and more manifest in us. Amen. Amen. If we as believers are controlled by fear, we miss part of how God wants to use us. It's scary when you do something new. It is. It's, sometimes I feel like I revert when I'm doing something new. I'm telling you I have the same nervousness, and I remember what it was like to be like 12 and going, ah, this is a new school. I don't want to sit all, I don't know where to sit at lunch. I'm going to be all by myself. <laughs> going to a new job, and sometimes people are like, can I get a mentor or something at least to show me all the important parts of this? You know. <laughs> There's some of these things that are natural parts of humanity, but they work against us being fully fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I'm not saying ignore them. I'm saying realize that they're there, but you serve a powerful king. Don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. Um, verse 15. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. Where I say Always always be prepared to give an answer. Do you rehearse stuff in your mind? Because I do. If this happened, I'd say this. I've had entire arguments completely in my own brain. Or if they said this, then I'd say this. And then they would say that. And then I'm like, ain't nothing happened. I'm just driving. (laughs) I'm getting all mad at somebody. They're not even there. Stop. You say that to me again, and I'll It didn't even happen. It's in my brain. I'm rehearsing these things. Inside, where you rehearse things, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer. That skill is kind of helpful, not when I'm arguing with somebody in my brain and figuring out what I would say, but on how many ways I can give an answer to someone who asks about the hope that I have. When the waitress comes up and says, man, y'all are different. And I mean that in a good way. I want to practice. I want to, of course, I'm going to be spirit led. I'm not going to be fearful of what I will say or won't say. But I want to be ready. I want to study to show myself approved so that I have something to give people when they need it. I don't want to just give them an answer. I want to give them a piece of Jesus, man. I want to give them the, the fire of God. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, Hmm. keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Does it say that no one will ever slander you? Nope. That's part of the deal, friends. And let's be honest, sometimes as Americans we try to make that and we equate someone saying something mean about us is persecution. It's not. (laughs) That's a a little bit of a stretch. If you're worried about someone and it just crushes you, look, it's going to happen, but I want them to be embarrassed on the inside. I want them to be ashamed of themselves. Even if they take it to the nth degree, even if they win the argument and I lose wrongfully, I want them to know on the inside I treated that dude wrong. There wasn't nothing that he did that deserved that. Let's go back to Acts chapter 27. We're going to wrap it up here. Acts chapter 27. So back in verse 20, it says this, we neither, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. We have to jettison any hopelessness that we have about things not actually changing. Well, I just am who I am. Maybe this is all that God had planned for me. Now, what did He tell you? What did He call you to? Well, then He who began a good work in you will be faithful to see it completed. Verse 21, After the men had gone a long time without food, which for me is about 25 minutes, but... I presume it was longer than that. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice. I told you he was going to get them back for not listening. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. I love that. You should have listened to me. (laughs) Getting rain and the wind. And and anchor back behind him, dragging along. And and the ropes that they've tied on there. I told you so. (laughs) Has has somebody ever been so right to you that you can't even argue with them, though? You're like, you're right. <laughs> I should have listened. I'm a husband. That happens all the time. Um, I told you so, huh? Um, verse 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. All right, now we got the I told you so out of the way. Hey, I want you guys to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So Paul originally says... There's going to be loss of life. There's going to be loss of property. We're we're all going to die. right? Clearly something else has changed even in Paul at this point where he gets there and he's like, no single person is going to lose their life. Hey, all this fear that's built up, the days on end and all the information that we process, all the things that you guys are seeing, there's an anchor there. It's not helping us. We're still getting blown wherever the wind goes. This hurricane is just on top of us and won't let us up. Our ropes are stretching and the boards are creaking on this thing over and over. It's been so bad. I'm sure that even these experienced sailors, there were some of them that were seasick. Nobody was eating because it was just that nobody was eating. (coughs) Paul says, Hey, it's okay. This is why we need to have an active move of the Spirit in our lives because you can get a fresh word. This is not just good advice. This is not Paul's opinion. Look what he says in verse 23. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, the God God whose I am and whom I serve, I'm sorry, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. I'm sure Paul was going, remember, the original word was everybody, people are going to die. He's saying, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. Folks, it's so important that we hear from God because there are people riding on this thing with us. And sometimes it's for our sake that they get saved. We're going, we've got a purpose in our lives. We've got someplace we're going. We're going, to, we're going to do what God has for us to do. We're not going to get sidetracked. We're not going to back up. We're not going to slow down. We're going to go forward. And you know what? Because of that obedience, people around us can get blessed. People around us should be getting filled with the Spirit. People around us in our everyday life should be getting saved. You know why? I think sometimes just for our own sake. I've got something for you to do, and when you're obedient, it causes blessing all the way around you in the form of of, of godliness. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Nevertheless, oh, by the way, we must run aground on some island. (laughs) There's still going to be some difficult days ahead, some difficult times ahead, Verse 27, on the 14th night, 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. Have you ever been going along in your life and you start sensing that things are changing around you? We've been kind of rocking along in the same path, the same plan. We've been kind of going on. does feel different to you? There's this sense from these experienced sailors. I don't know if it was the sound. Sounds different, I guess, on the water. Feels like the topography's changing because it's still raining on them. They're still getting blown around, but they start sensing that something is different. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. Sounding. So they dropped a plumb line, a weighted line down in the water, and I guess they had it marked off every whatever the. The length was. And they found out that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Uh, It's getting more shallow. We might be running out of water here. Let me encourage you in your life, don't be afraid to take soundings in your life. Jettison the fear that makes you not want to take soundings. You know what I found out sometimes helping people? The people who are in the worst financial situation actually don't know how much trouble they're in. At some point, they got started getting behind in bills, so they just take any bills that come in and just stick them in a closet. Well, how much do you owe? I have no idea. What? So how are you going to get out? I have no idea. I'm a little afraid to open that envelope. You're a grown man. Open the envelope. Get a pen and a notebook and start figuring this thing out. I will help you if you need me to. How, how do you not know I, I guess it's the same way that somebody in an unhealthy state gets to be, seven hundred pounds. At some point, they're just like, I didn't know. Okay, I, my wife and I love TV shows like The Biggest Loser. Sometimes we'll even make cookies and <laughs> watch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's. <good. laughs> Do you see the surprise on most of their faces, though? Like those initial, if you ever watch, they get on the initial shows, and they're like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm not shaming anybody. I'm saying take a sounding of where you are. Sometimes spiritually, we have no idea where we are. How can you have no idea where you are? Take a sounding. Figure out where you are so that you don't wreck yourself. But check yourself so you don't wreck yourself. Sorry, that's in there. Usually, usually I filter those things, sorry. Verse 29, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, there's that fear again, they dropped four anchors. Wait, wait. You guys have been getting blown around for a long time. It's like 14 days. You've been on this thing for two weeks, not eaten. Once they realized that a crash was probably imminent. Throwing out the anchors, right? Throwing out anything. Now it's no longer the things that we know that we're confident in. Now we'll just try anything. Just throw it out there. People who are trying and experimenting with different religions, and and they're just, I just envision is this. We're just throwing out anchors. I'm just trying to get something that'll hold. Well, that's hold? I'll try it. Sometimes those are the most wonderful people to talk to. You know that, you know that, Tomb, uh, the, that idol to the unknown God? Let, let's start there. <laughs> let's start talking about him. Verse 30, in an attempt to, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, verse 29, fearing that they were be jashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. <laughs> <sighs> Just praying for daylight, right? Just doing anything you can and praying for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. So you've got this crew of sailors who are like, "Um, we're going to go put down some more anchors. Just excuse us for a minute, right? They're trying to slip out the back, pretending like they're doing this. Verse 31. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "Um, by the way, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. I think that some people make an escape right before God's about to deliver them. Sometimes they just can't hold on quite long enough. And literally, the next corner is the thing that they've been looking for. Within a short amount of the time, these guys are going to be standing on the beach of Malta building a fire. But in this moment, these ungodly sailors are like, hey, we're, we're just out. We just can't put up with this anymore. Don't Lose your hope right before God does something for you. Hold fast. Stay strong. If He said it, He's going to make it happen. Probably not in the timing that you and I were thinking because that would just, we wouldn't trust Him as much. We wouldn't learn the character that we need to actually fulfill what He's called us to do. Um, So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. That's a big step. This prisoner, Paul, is like, hey, y'all don't want to do that. And they're like, Okay. Wow. Wow. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Genius, right? You're going to need this. If you've been without sustenance in your own life, if you've gone through a dry and a weary time in your own walk, Get some food. You're going to need it to survive. Don't try to do and fight all the things that we try to fight as believers and not go get fed. We need to be self-feeding kind of people. We need to get in the presence of God. If we're trying to do too much without God's presence, you're going to get starved. If you're trying to do a prison ministry and your prayer life isn't where it needs to be, as the initiator of the prison ministry, you're going to get worn out. You might get worn out physically anyway, because there's a lot to do, much less spiritually. If we're going to try to accomplish what God is calling us to do, if, if Pastor Eric gets up here, and he's trying to just teach from a gifting and an anointing that he has, but he's not coming with prayer, with study, just to study, not for the next sermon, he's going to get, we're all going to get famished That's just, we're designed, we're going to have to have the daily bread that comes to feed us. Now I urge you to take some food, you will need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. I can imagine that Paul had his own little communion sermon right there in front of everybody, right? Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten, it's a big ship. Sometimes we think about it as this little dinghy out there. And this is a big old seagoing vessel. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Now they jettisoned the cargo and the rigging and now the food. Hey, we're going to cut out anything that needs to be cut out so we can make it and accomplish God's will in our life. Verse 39. But when daylight came, they did not recognize the land. Folks. When you're obeying God, you're going to sometimes end in a in a new land, in a place where you're not always familiar with. But they saw a bay with a sandy beach, and my wife says, "Amen" for the beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Okay, we're close enough. We've got a target. Let's just go for that. Cutting loose the anchors. (laughs) I guess five anchors now. Like, let's just cut them loose. All right, we're going to try, We're gonna stop trying to rely on all that, all that. Let's just go for it. They left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding surf. Verse 42. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners after all this. Can you imagine being a prisoner on that thing? <laughs> you find, you've... You're, almost about, you're just about to make it. Soldiers plan to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Don't be surprised when the people around you are completely about self-preservation. If one of the people would have been lost, it's the soldier who has to pay for it with his life. So he's saying, I'm going to take care of that ahead of time. We'll just kill them all. First we shoot them, then we kill them. Right? Should have filtered that one too, Sorry. Verse 43. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. There's that Paul again. There's that favor again. And kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Everyone did. We've got to jettison some things around us. I know this is a It's a shipwreck story. Right after this, Paul, they build a fire. The snake comes out, bites Paul. They're like, oh, 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 see, God got you anyway. Paul just shakes it off, has no ill effects from it, moves on and completely accomplishes God's purpose for his life. Let me just encourage you. Um, Let's make sure that we're jettisoning, jettisoning fear from our lives. If you've been a believer for five minutes, you've got some fear that you need to jettison. If you've been a believer for 50 years, you might still have some fear that you need to jettison. Fear of failure. Fear of other people and what they're going to say. Fear of your place in life. Fear of not being recognized. A lot of fears that we might have, and whichever fears you may have, make sure that you're allowing God to jettison them from you. Not that you're being ignorant of them or pretending like they're not there. You're actually saying, this thing has no more power on me. My fear of failure is not going to be what keeps me from serving God wholeheartedly. A lot of believers that I know, they're going to run at a majority towards God, but that fear keeps them from really going all out. What if I go all out and I fail? Fear. If I go out and I fail, then at least I fail going all out. I'd rather be wholehearted in that. The only way that I'm going to do this is to have faith anyway. That's the only way that I can do this. So that means there's always a percentage that I can't get my hands on. There's always an unknown part. If I'm waiting for 100%, I won't be operating in faith. If I wait to know everything 100% before I do it, there's no faith in that. And therefore, I can't please God because I'm waiting on 100%. I just want us to accomplish everything that God has for us.